Hi Sharp Scratch listeners, I hope you're all doing okay. This is just a quick message before we start the show that uh, this episode of Sharp Scratch was recorded before all of the uncertainty surrounding the COVID-19 outbreak. So we thought we'd put it out anyway. It's quite a fun episode, um, so we hope it gives you a laugh in these uncertain times. Stay safe, everyone. Today on Sharp Scratch, you'll learn whether purple hair is Oski appropriate. Who is telling you what to wear? And how your appearance affects the trust you build with your patients. You're listening to Sharp Scratch. Should you get that tattoo? This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we talk about all the things you need to know to be a good doctor, but you might not get taught in med school. I'm Anna, and I'm a final year medical student at King's and the editorial scholar here at the BMJ. And I'm delighted to be joined again in the studio with our panel members, Declan and Lara. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Hey, I'm Declan. I'm a current F1, working up in Newcastle. And hi, I'm Laura. I'm a fifth year med student at the University of Cambridge. And I have no tattoos. I also have no tattoos. Well, two tattoo-less panel members. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also delighted to welcome back to the studio our special guest from last week who's going to help us with um, talking through some of the other nuances of what we should look like as doctors. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi everyone, my name is Davina Maru. I'm a GP trainee based in Greenwich, South East London. Um, I'm glad to be back um, discussing about clothes, quite close to my heart actually. My grandfather's a tailor and he's always checking the quality of my clothes all the time. Um, But yeah, I'm quite excited to discuss clothing, tattoos, piercings. Looking forward to this episode. I also have no tattoos actually. Okay, so I am outnumbered because I have several tattoos. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to... What are you going to say, How exciting! Tell us about your tattoos. <laughs> oh, yeah, go on. What are they? I Where love the they? story behind I can't see them. Okay, okay. I will tell you about my tattoos, um, but let's do that after we've kind of introduced <laughs> the episode. <laughs> I think there's another side to this discussion about what we should be wearing, um, the way that doctors look, the way that doctors should look, the way that patients expect us to look. And we're talking about, you know, clothes, hairstyle, hair colour, visible tattoos, piercings, even, you know, some accessories. They're the way that people, um, like, express their personalities through Mm. the way they look, right? So feel free to challenge me on this, anyone who's in the room. Um, But I do think that there's quite a big element of trying to blend in at medical school. So I remember when I... Um, was in second year I dyed my hair purple and like it was bright purple and I absolutely loved it and it took like blood sweat and tears to get that color by the way because I have quite dark hair Mm. Um, and so many people's reaction like literally multiple people said this exact thing to me they'd be like oh my god I love your hair but what are you going to do for Oski I'm like what do you mean what am I going to do for Mm. Oski which for anyone who doesn't know is like the practical exams that we do at med school um and in the end, I actually did dye it. Um, I dyed it black really? before yeah. the practical exam. Yeah, because wow. I had all these reactions from people and I was so worried that it was going to affect, you know, what 
happened in that exam. Did any clinical um, tutors say to you, you need to change your hair colour? Was it just your own? No, it was just like kind of feedback from peer, yeah, yeah, from peers yeah. and stuff. So I don't know if any of you guys feel like you've made any compromises with how you express yourself in your style at medical school. Like Laura, I know you love to wear like bright colours and... Yeah, and I definitely do still wear bright colours, but I think that when I dress for clinical settings, I semi-consciously dress more older. Like I dress, I wear clothes that I feel are clothes that my mum would wear, which is nice. I, you know, my mum also loves bright colours. We have that in common. Yeah, but in terms of like... <laughs> you're, yeah, you're not, you talked about yeah. your mum yeah. last week. She's a big part of my life, okay, guys? So, um, you know, like I, in some ways, like I love bright colours like she does, but she... You know, I in the weekends, like nearly my whole wardrobe is comfortable, right? But at work, in a workish setting, I tend to wear clothes that I think make me look older and sensible. And I almost sometimes I consciously look at something and be like, I don't particularly like this, don't particularly think it suits me. But I think that when I wear it, I think it makes me look like I don't care about how I look. And I sometimes, I don't know, sometimes I have this weird like association with this sort of very sensible, um, non-offensive dressing that mm. is like, it, I don't know, it's a kind of association with professionalism, which, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm aware that I'm doing it and I know that it's like a, a weird pressure that we all put on ourselves. Like, I'm not saying that that is a, a truth at all. It's just a thing that I, I do sometimes think about when I'm when I'm thinking of what to wear in, in the wards, that mm. I do often wear things I don't like because I think it looks smart smart mm. enough. I I do agree. I do think impressions matter. You're not only representing the profession, but maybe your organisation as well that you're working in. And I think the colour of my clothing is really dependent on seasons as well. Really? So um, around winter time, I wear autumnal sort of colours, and in summer I would wear brighter colours. Really, that's so yeah. edgy. Mm. That's. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Declan? Do you feel like you? dress very differently when you're like in a professional setting compared to how you would dress like on a day off I, d- I do dress very differently because i wear black skinny jeans and converse or doc martens and a t-shirt um i i think the only time when i've made a conscious effort is for exams and because i was worried that i might lose marks because especially with oscies and kind mm, of clinical exams yeah. there is always a subjective nature to it I do remember when I was in first year, we went to like a, an OSCE prep kind of talk and there was a, an ethnotist who was like, so before you OSCE, make sure you have a shave, have a haircut and dress have your a, best. Have a haircut? Yeah, yeah. That's and that's special. what a lot that's what a lot of guys do. So I do remember kind of when I was coming up to my end of year exams, I would look like an absolute state of a person, like not shaved for months because... And this was while I was still in the hospital. So the actual pressure of being in the hospital didn't bother me that much yeah. to look a certain way. Um, but because I was kind of revising after going to clinics and whatever, I wouldn't look my greatest. <laughs> but then <laughs> when it would come to the exam, yeah. I would go have a haircut. I would make sure I was well shaven. Yeah. And um, and I guess it was to remove the kind of potential subjective nature of an, of an examiner dropping me some marks because of the way I look. That's true. I guess yeah. that whole setting is judgy because mm. yeah. they are trying yeah. to assess you. And so, yeah. I guess I was kind of like priorities, you know, do I mm. the way I personally want to look or 
exam marks. Mm. Obviously, judging by the way I look now, that is not safe. <laughs> <What laughs> but do I don't have to have any exams for two years, so I'm all right. <laughs> and I think that's really interesting what you say about having your hair cut because I know there's a um, someone in my year um, at uni who is a, is a guy and he's got long hair and his hair is beautiful. Like, <laughs> this is really weird. But I remember like looking at the back of his head in a lecture and being like, God, I wish my hair was like that. <laughs> but I remember someone making a, a comment to me like, oh God, I can't believe, you know, men shouldn't have long hair and all of this. And, and I was like, that is such a like archaic um, like viewpoint to have. It was another mm-hmm. medical student. But obviously people do have ideas mm. about what you should look like yeah it's this idea of, of professional like so many of the ideals that come with that are old-fashioned and mm. fit very well very strictly to gender norms mm. and things yeah, like that definitely. they are quite restrictive yeah. and a lot of it is because we think oh we're treating such a wide variety of patients so you know we should make sure that we look in a way that pleases as many people mm. as possible that yeah. comes across as professional to as yeah. many people as possible and so we root for the sort of the very very strictly conventional i'm doing like air quotes with that yeah. because it, it it maybe i don't know times are changing but it, it it's not particularly changing when it comes to how professionals should dress yeah and we have to remember that well-dressed doctors will get complaints as well as a badly dressed doctor and we have to really judge people on their knowledge not on what they look like yeah I, I find that quite interesting actually because i remember my first year of uni um so i come from like a fairly working class background and everything um and i was like certainly prejudged i remember someone they were like our first assignment they had they were like oh declan passed if declan can pass anyone can pass um and I think based on just, you know, my accent and whatever, I, I certainly felt prejudged. Um, and I had to make, I guess that was a motive for me to work really hard and to do pretty well because I wanted to be like, well, you know, it's the knowledge which really dictates how much of a good doctor you are. Um, but there are certainly those pre-judgments made. Mm. Um, and I guess when we're thinking kind of like what a professional should look like, um, I think that kind of excludes certain types of people. Mm. So, you know, like, I guess if, I don't know if this is true, if you're working class, maybe you're more likely to have tattoos, maybe you're more likely to look a certain way. Um, and then does that kind of mean we are less likely to get those people into medicine because of prejudged, like, mm. I don't know, like, expectations of what doctors should look like? Yeah. Mm. I don't know, for me, like, I always sort of, the kind of people that I have always hung out with um, have been like people who listen to a certain type of music and like move in certain societies and you know things like that and I always wanted to look different so that I looked like them not like mm-hmm. other people like I'm doing air quotes mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. other people and that was something that was a huge part of my identity and still I still would say like is quite a big part of my identity but I think that's definitely been the word that comes to mind is eroded which is probably quite a weird term to use like throughout the time I've been at medical school because I have felt the need to you know not dye my hair black anymore not wear such like you know I've started I do have some coloured clothes now um congratulations (laughs) I I retired my Doc Martens you know it it does sound like erosion (laughs) well yeah exactly but I I guess, like, also, because I go to, like, a London, a big London medical school, Mm. um, which might be a little bit different from 
other medical schools potentially. potentially um, yeah. But I think like a lot of people must feel like that, that they have to be some sort of like weird blank canvas rather yeah. than or almost the opposite are. as well though i think i occasionally through med school made a conscious effort to you know look different i mean i i, I like different music to most people who studied medicine and stuff so i kind of made a conscious effort <laughs> and with my ridiculous quiff i guess that was, <laughs> that was, yeah but it signals to other people doesn't it like that you that are was ridiculous the, yeah that was that was the reason why i would always like dye my hair black and the reason why I mm. wear certain types of clothes per- firstly because I like them mm. but secondly because you know it says to other people like this is who I am this is what I'm interested in and you know it's all like you know it says something about you doesn't it yeah and I, it was kind I guess kind so of you too... like rebelled against well, it was the kind of, medical I wouldn't identity. say it was rebelled because I didn't really care that much or make enough of an effort to say I rebelled but it was kind of to try and avoid the norm Mm. because I didn't feel like I was part of the norm in a med school. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like an edgy 15-year-old kid now. <laughs> I just don't want to be the norm. Well, you, you, you look like one. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, mean, I, can't really, I can't really deny that. <laughs> so. um, I agree with you too. Um, at medical school, I try to dress differently, to look different. And I was up in Liverpool and it was great fun there. Liverpool Med School, we were, it was full of colour, we used to go out all the time, it was great and I really wanted to express my identity and I didn't want to be the same as everyone else. So I think that's what makes us stand out really. Yeah and I think it's also like you go on a night out or something yeah. and if you say you study medicine there's definitely oh, yeah. judgments, <laughs> judgments made and I kind of wanted to be like I'm not that dick med student that you're, <laughs> that you're in, like, instantly thinking of. Yeah. So recently, actually coincidentally to, because I've been planning this um, episode of the podcast for like, I've been thinking about it for quite a long time, but there's recently been a lot of discussion on Twitter about professionalism um, in what people wear, hair colours, you know, visible tattoos. And it actually, you know, we all seem to agree with each other, but (laughs) it's pretty divisive out there on med Twitter. Um, so again, I referred to our good friends at the BMA um, and the dress code. And this is a quote from their dress code. Doctors should dress in a way that inspires public confidence and specifically about tattoos that they should be covered if excessive or offensive. So I think offensive is probably like there's sort of a, a reasonable, um, yeah. you know, you know what is offensive. There's a reasonable but, social understanding. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. excessive, like what would, I, mm. some people would say one tattoo is excessive, mm. right? Yeah. Well, some mm. people might say a full sleeve is excessive. So there's quite a disparity between what people perceive as mm. excessive. Yeah. Is this the bit where we get to hear about your tattoos and what they are? Yes, Anna? you can ask <laughs> me about my tattoos if you want. <laughs> yes, what are they and where are they? Um, so and what's the story behind them? And the story what do they say? And also, can we see them? Um, <laughs> can you tweet you, the photos so that our listeners can see them? Well, too? I did actually Sorry. think that when we put this episode out, we could um, have like a sort of show us your tattoos. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're a medical yeah, professional or an allied health professional, tweet us a picture of your tattoo, mm. and we will and um, maybe the story behind it. it or something. Yeah, mm. and I think. So, okay, some sometimes people's tattoos are just because they look cool, right? It's not they don't <laughs> yeah. have a story. Yeah. Um, so I have Is this got. You're about to tell us how cool <laughs> you're I know. Um, so I've got some on my arms, which are probably like the um, 
I guess, quote unquote, riskiest ones as a medical professional, because you can see them when I roll my sleeves up. Um, I've got one on my back and I've got one on each ankle, the mm. front of my ankles. Mm. Um, and yeah, they're all, they, they all do have stories behind them. My, on my back, I have a, a constellation that's got um, seven stars in it because I've got six brothers and sisters. Mm. So oh. represents me. It's, yeah. This is like, oh. this is excruciating. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, it, I get it. Like it is personal to ask someone yeah, about the story yeah. of their, yeah. of their tattoos. So sorry if this is crossing a no, boundary no. to ask you. No, but, it's yeah, not crossing yeah. a boundary yeah. at all. I don't, I don't yeah. mind discussing yeah. it, but um, I've always liked tattoos. I would have more tattoos if mm. I wasn't, I mean, they're expensive for a start, mm. but yeah. um, I would yeah. have more tattoos like in visible places mm. if I wasn't going to be a doctor. Like I was saying mm. to you guys, like I really like, hand tattoos and i think that they're really nice and i would have some if mm. I what kind of what kind of hand, t- hand tattoo would you like is it, would it be like a henna style one or would it be like no no like, like, like um, one or a... you know when you see people with like dots and like lines on their fingers sure oh, yeah. not like excessively yeah. but like a few well if it's not excessive then it meets the bma well yeah i would like to know what the bma means by excessive really. well exactly it's, it's quite i don't a, know if i necessarily agree with that anyway yeah it's mm. it's quite vague isn't it yeah. but like i do agree with what you were saying earlier about like you know sometimes it you might think oh well they've got something on their hand is that pen like are they not have they washed their have hands, they washed their hands? Yeah. Are they not clean like i do get that but um i mean yeah i've made a conscious decision not to not to have tattoos on my hands because I'm going to be a doctor. So, so uh, what would you... I, I remember there was a guy at my med school who was, like, quite an older student. I think he was, like, 40 or something um, mm. by the time he graduated. And he had, um, on his forearm, like, f- big tattoos on both sides. Mm. He's now a doctor and he was fully competent. Mm. That's the thing, so, actually, for anything, for any of these things we've talked about, for hair colour, hairstyle... Um, tattoos like you can find role models doc- qualified doctors mm-hmm. who have things that are less conventional mm-hmm. um, and sometimes I think that the majority of the pressure comes from perhaps assessments where yeah. there is that judging yeah, yeah. I think the majority of the pressure comes from other peers Yeah, mm-hmm. and we're like we're reinforcing these rules for ourselves so we try and figure out what the guidelines are we, we end up sort of going with the safest option and then reinforcing that with everyone like Anna yeah. why is that purple hair appropriate like are you sure about that Anna your hand tattoos is that a great idea probably not you know we're, we're all like policing ourselves mm. maybe to keep each other like safe we wouldn't want our peers to like do something that would stop them from being a doctor but mm. yeah. the main school, source of pressure, we had then. a girl with dreadlocks and yeah. um, tattoos and I think it's the perceived judgments amongst each other mm. but no one actually said you need to take out your dreadlocks or anything she passed mm. finals I mean dreadlocks like a whole other issue because yeah. there's some people with different kinds of hair mm. that need yeah, different kind yeah, of hair yeah. management yeah. and yeah. hairstyles that are not always considered conventional or acceptable in this country or like looking professional to have you know dreads mm-hmm. and stuff like that but mm. it's just part of normal hair management yeah. Yeah. I wonder if kind of what patients actually care about is similar to what we not me but mm. as a profession care well, about it's funny you say that <laughs> <laughs> because um that was actually like quite a lot of the um responses from patients on twitter were saying you know i wouldn't care what my doctor looked like as long as they were competent to be treating me mm. um you know there was obviously um all those sort of funny tweets like oh i wouldn't mind what they look like as long as i could actually get someone to see me mm. um you know 
um, that kind of thing. But I also spoke to someone who has done some research into what patients want their doctors to look like. Yes, this is so what I want to hear. We can hear from them. Yes, but that will be right after this. How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. Okay, let's hear from Nathan. My name is Nathan Houchins. I'm the Associate Chief of Medicine for Inpatient Care at the VA Ann Arbor Healthcare System, and I'm an Assistant Professor of Medicine at the University of Michigan in the United States. We know that patient trust in providers is linked to improved adherence to treatment plans and clinical outcomes for conditions like diabetes and hypertension, so we know that these relationships are actually important in delivering high-quality care. And we know that trust can be cultivated by mutual understanding and effective communication. And one element of communication is, is visual and nonverbal communication. We transmit these first impressions through our personal appearance and through our attire. And we know that cognitive psychology literature suggests that first impressions are formed within the initial 39 seconds upon contact with another individual. And so these visual impressions are actually really important. Uh, and physician attire can therefore be a potentially modifiable way to enhance the patient-physician relationship. So I am very excited about ways in which we can enhance that therapeutic alliance between patients and physicians. And that was my interest in this particular project. It was a study of over 800 patients across three ambulatory specialty clinics in Switzerland. More than a third of respondents indicated that physician attire is important to them and that about a quarter of them stated that it influenced their satisfaction with care. In this patient population, particularly the older patients, the folks 65 years and older, thought that attire was more important to them than the younger patients. So it's, so it's interesting, right? You might ask, why white scrubs and, and a white coat? Uh, and, and certainly, sociocultural context and norms are always important. We take what we have seen in books and other media like news or TV or movies, and we develop these kind of cognitive scripts of what a physician looks like. Um, and this has real ramifications for individuals who are marginalized at times, um, but it becomes important to sort of recognize what the key indicators of the profession are. And in this case, in Switzerland at least, um, where there is sort of somewhat of a strict dress code uh, of white scrubs and white coat, 
people become accustomed to what they are expecting doctors to wear. So there was a few things that Nathan said that I found really interesting. So the first one I'd like to pick up on is this idea about building trust and about how Mm. the way someone looks can affect how you build trust with them in you know such a short space of time before they've even opened their mouths what do you guys think about this so it's kind of two ways where you can go with that you want to look smart and build that trust perceiving that professional sort of look so they believe everything you say or going a bit more casual where you break down the barriers i mentioned before so they entrust in you whatever confidential thing they're talking about so there's kind of two ways you can look at that yeah that's a good Mm. point i when i think about building trust think about early on in breaking bad did you guys watch that series <laughs> yeah actually did yeah and there's a bit like a bit like really nearly near the beginning of the series where the main character gets a cancer diagnosis and spoilers <laughs> it's, it's really early on <laughs> The plot is all about what happens next. Anyway, the, this, this main character he gets his diagnosis, and through the like cinematography, you can see that all he's focusing on is a little stain, like on the on the doctor's tie, and that's like all he's focusing on. The sound goes a bit blurry and stuff like that. Like all this hyperfixation, this small small detail, and I suppose it comes back to this perception of competence or I mean I mean that's a very different situation that's a breaking bad news situation Mm. where you do remember these little details but I think you know it's those maybe those little things that if they're caught up in a first impression you know does your doctor look tired and scruffy does your doctor look um, smart even if casual Mm. you know does your doctor look um, awake and present you know these are also sort of part of your appearance that Mm. don't necessarily have loads to do with your choice of clothing but like how tidy you are at that time you know which probably gets more and more difficult as you get towards the end of a really long day doesn't it Mm. it was interesting what he was saying about people who were older caring more Mm. and I mean I think that's something that you would you would assume right like people who are maybe slightly older care more about um what their doctors look like um and perhaps you know see it as a mark of respect that their Mm. doctor looks a certain way and is smart but then I think at the other kind of end of the spectrum, like like you were saying about paediatrics, mm. you might dress mm. more casually because you don't want to scare like a kid who's sick. And, you know, working in certain specialties, like, for instance, I remember when I was in sexual health, uh, people dressed, you know, the clinicians dressed quite differently there than in other settings I'd been in because it was more of a, like, I guess, breaking down, like what you were saying in the last episode about like paternalism and mm. that doctor-patient relationship. But, you know, if you're working in A&E, I mean, it's a bit different because you're probably in scrubs, but if you're working in A&E, you're going to see such a wide re- like mm. variety of people. Mm. You know, how can you, you can't like, please, please everyone? everyone. Yeah. yeah. There's also the and thing... Also should, we, should we please everyone as well, I guess, you know? Yeah. Just because the public wants you to look a certain way doesn't mean... Yeah, definitely. Are we, are we judging for? Are we? Are we dressing for ourselves? Are we dressing for patients? Mm. Um, unconscious biases. Who are we actually dressing for? We mm. have to think about that. Mm. Mm. There's also a thing of that some of our patients will have tattoos. Some of our patients will have coloured hair. Some of our patients will see a doctor 
who has some element of their appearance in common with them and think, hey, here's someone in my tribe. Just like me, yeah. yeah. Definitely. So, it's all know, about relatability. Exactly. And if, our, if the people that we're serving are really diverse, then why shouldn't doctors be really diverse? I agree. Nice. We'll leave it there. <laughs> um, That's all from us. But no, I think I think this was this was one of the yeah. things that I was like. I've actually had some chats with people like who aren't medics in my personal life about this, and because one of the comments I got on the tweet that I put out about who would like to come on the podcast with us, uh, you guys probably all see those tweets. Mm. Um, mm. If not, you should follow me at AC Harvey. Um, <laughs> but one of the comments was, "You should really ask patients about this because it's it's what they think that we should be." Um, going by and I thought a lot about that and I would actually I think push back against that slightly because I don't think that you know a lot of people in this country will expect their doctor to be tall male white white, and wearing a suit jacket and have a posh accent right you know we 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 know that that isn't right so should we really be I think it's difficult because at the same time like obviously you don't I wouldn't want to see a doctor who was like dirty or like looked like they hadn't washed. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's really hard. Like, I think it's hard. I think when you first start thinking about it, you're like, oh, yeah, obviously doctors should be smart. And then you're like, oh, no, maybe they shouldn't be. And then you're like, oh, maybe patients should decide. And you're like, oh, yeah. there's so many different types of patients. I don't I know. Mean, yeah. It's hard. But then in, in hospital, for example, like two thirds of people in hospital, depending where you work, are like over 60. Mm. And that is. The majority of the patient population and and perhaps mm. in some wards that's even more but then exactly. alternatively you tend to treat kind of people from a lower socioeconomic background more than you treat more affluent people so would a doctor who can relate to those people you're right and also and similarly with yeah. the staff that you work with like nurses and stuff yeah. on the whole would tend to come from a lower socioeconomic background economic background to a doctor and I mean me personally I've had kind of comments from nurses like oh thank god we'll have a doctor who we can just have a chat with and relate Mm. to Mm. rather than some stuck-up posh doctor Mm. that's (laughs) not a direct quote but (laughs) you know that happens quite a lot so I mean yes there are like all the patients are the majority of our kind of patient population but equally so are the other end of the spectrum And you make a good point, like, also med students and doctors are a particular part of the national population. You know, like, as a group of individuals don't have the same stats, demographics as the general population. So how are we supposed to interpret what, you know, um, um, obviously there's some research out there. Mm. But when we come to individuals making our own choices, like, is this something an over 60 year old would like? You know, how are we supposed to um, Mm. know what other people are thinking, know what other people Mm. prefer? as we make these daily wardrobe decisions that's yeah. yeah but also is it something we should care about i mean it's it's mm-hmm. hard because like the guy said you know it promotes kind of like adherence to certain treatments and stuff so then yes if we're going to promote health then yes it is something something that we should mm-hmm. think about mm-hmm. but then also like what a 65 year old thinks their doctor should look like is does that matter should we care you know um at the end of the day i've always considered a doctor being someone that kind of cares for a patient like but doesn't do what you know we don't just do what patients tell us to do they don't have all the power we're kind of there to help them to an extent i mean i remember in one of the old podcasts we're talking about racist patients where we're mm-hmm. and about um one of the patients requesting a doctor that was white and obviously that's not correct 
so should like what the patients want always so that matter. kind of brings back the question like should we all just wear a sort of uniform should we all just wear scrubs that you don't need to pick your wardrobe every day i mean why don't we like yeah. why why is it that nurses wear uniforms physios wear uniforms and yet doctors yeah. do not in this country mm. you know why because you, we think you know. we're, we're like we're above that we can wear well, yeah, we exactly. can choose our own clothes <laughs> exactly what i mean it's some kind of it is there is yeah, some kind of is, hierarchical is. element yeah, to it that we get to choose our own clothes and that is really weird mm. but really weird. even if we wore uniforms there'd still be like what oh, color is your hair how many it. like ear piercings yeah. do you have do you have a nose piercing and in, or some, in some respects everyone wearing what doctors wear actually i think kind of blows the hierarchy you know nurses they have different colored different colored uniforms Mm. for Mm. being a sister being a Mm. matron being a newly qualified nurse and that's a very defined hierarchy yeah whereas i think actually alternatively a doctor's just wearing kind of shirts smart trousers and shoes actually does blow the hierarchy within 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 the medical field which Mm. i think could be a positive as well yeah and i do remember Mm. that when i first got my tattoos um on my arm i got them when i was like on my 18th birthday and i remember going um to the person i was seeing's house and um their grandparent lived with them and uh she came in and she was like what have you done to yourself if i if I saw a doctor who had tattoos like that, I would refuse to be treated by them. And I was like, whoa, okay. Um, that could have been really influential on you, couldn't it? Like, if yeah. an older person that you looked up to. Well, it made me, well, it made me think <laughs> I'm going to cover myself in tattoos. That Obviously, there are people out yeah. there who it really affects what they think. But I think the question is how much can we allow that to like infringe upon what you do with your body like i'm not saying that we have answers like the point of this podcast is not necessarily to always give answers Mm. it's just to have these discussions Mm. um and i've been thinking about this like for a long time um so it's really nice to like speak to other people about it it does make me laugh i remember like quite a few times i've been in a random pub and started talking to a random person of course um, <laughs> like just about the bar or something and I remember one of them telling us she messed up her ankle um, and I was like oh I work up at the hospital kind of up the road you should have just came she was like oh you're a nurse there and like I, oh, I, I've never once been asked like are you a doctor it's always are you a nurse yeah. so I guess I don't know like I can't change I, I, I feel it may be due to either personality <laughs> or <laughs> accent or something yeah. but there obviously is these kind of assumptions that people make just as soon as they see you and you know you i think to some extent you can't do anything about those assumptions and are these assumptions because of what we see on tv um yeah watching yeah. shows like scrubs or house mm. they kind of perceive, portray a sort of type of doctor yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's not the reality yeah that was exactly what i was gonna ask you guys next is that the other thing that nathan kind of mentioned is that um if you actually read the research that he did it was very much associated with um the kind of way that doctors are portrayed on like tv shows and stuff Mm -hmm. in it was switzerland right um and i wonder if like maybe that's kind of an avenue that could be used to like Uh, actually change people's perceptions about Mm -hmm. who doctors are Mm -hmm. Um, that's interesting because even like all these new kind of insta famous doctors they all kind of have a certain they're all very confident, all pretty tall, 
an insecurity is showing here. I think I should bring a little northern out with a beer belly and make him insta famous. Um, you could make yourself insta famous. Uh, that's too much effort. That <laughs> well, there we go then. <laughs> no, but I do think all the ones that seem to make it mm. have kind mm, of a very true. stereotypical, mm. um, stereotypical look, don't they? Mm. And so, often the male as well. Yeah, that's true. So maybe we should go out and shoot our own set of like stock photos, but with doctors who look different. Yeah, that's, that's we could dye Declan's hair green. It's take a picture of him with right. his stethoscope round his neck. He already looks unconventional enough. He just he just, he just <laughs> listed the ways in which he's unconventional enough. <laughs> and have a big cross saying "Stop the stereotypes." Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> big campaign there. <laughs> And then we can do it all on Instagram and get Declan to be Insta famous yes, without any effort on his part. Yeah. So I think, you know, we, we haven't come up with a clear answer to this and I didn't expect us to or want us to. I think that's fine. I think the fact that, um, you know, we've had this conversation, we've talked about all of this um, kind of stuff that has been going on on Twitter Um you know, it's been a really interesting conversation and it's nice for me to hear from like other people who have different viewpoints. Um, so I guess we're all going to be going out and getting sharp scratch tattoos now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on my knee. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you getting yours, Lara? <laughs> Probably on the middle of my forehead. <laughs> But, um, you know, we, we love to do a little main takeaway at the end of our episode. So, Laura, is there anything that's really kind of struck you about our conversation today? I guess I would love if we as a med student body and as new doctors would uh, take the pressure off ourselves when it comes to policing each other and what we wear. If that's where we identify as the main pressure coming from, maybe we could just take our foot off the pedal a bit Um you know, I personally know doctors, sorry, uh, med students and new doctors with brightly coloured hair, bright blue. You had bright purple, and it, you know, it 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 can be done. It doesn't. It's not. A, it's not a barrier to being a successful and trusted doctor. So, um, to any med students and new docs listening who want to do something radical with their hair, just why not? Just give it a go. See what happens. Are you volunteering <laughs> to do the haircut and the dyeing for them? You know what I. It's so, a a friend of mine is going to shave her head before elective this June and I am just so tempted to join her. And the thing, I've thought about this so many times before and the thing that stops me doing it is the cost of maintaining a short haircut. But, but I do. No, you just buy a pair of clippers. I, like shave a shaved haircut's fine, but I want something like like not like not a quiff, but Maybe. not a quiff, like a quiff, but like this is my identity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will have no personality. This is all I got. <laughs> I don't I don't want to step on Declan's yeah. space, but I like short something short back step and sides with a long bit in the middle, like um, that you know. And, but the thing that stops me getting that is uh, is the cost associated with maintaining it. Um, but if I shaved it the once and then let it grow out, I could do that. Depends. Depends. I just haven't quite found the thing that just makes me do it. Like I think something like a bad breakup a would make me just yeah, do like, it. You know, like donate your hair to charity, and then that's a yeah. You have to have yeah. like eighteen inches of hair, though. Uh-huh. I'm not quite there no, yet. I don't think. Not. No. 
And don't ask um, me how I know that. And then colouring hair, the cost is the same thing. But shave my head, consider doing it. Who's with me? Sharp scratch listeners, who's with me? Who, who's going to shave the hair off with me? I've already had a traumatic incident in my life where I cut all my hair off. So. We sort of that, actually, when I was little. Oh, fair play. Are you joining me then, Davina? Just you and me. <laughs> <laughs> Davina, <laughs> look at this. Absolutely horrified. <laughs> No. Okay, so Declan, what's your main takeaway from today? Um, <laughs> I don't really have one. Um, I actually found it quite interesting, the research that the guy did, mm-hmm. saying that um, kind of public, you know, like people adhere to certain treatments and stuff, dependent on the trust that they have with their doctor. So I do, although I am very much about individuality and look however the hell you want to look, I, I find it quite interesting that, you know, I guess it it would be good to be able to combine the two, you know. I guess the real issue then is kind of changing public perception of what they think doctors should look like and therefore trust them more. Mm. Um, because it's hard. We're trying to balance the two. Individuality mm. versus actually promoting patient care um, and outcomes. So I guess, you know, like you were saying, if we're good widen kind of the access to the public through Twitter and whatever by saying this is what doctors look like and therefore you can trust them all um, and change what the public perceive and therefore trust more, then maybe we would we would be able to express our individuality. Create more. a medical utopia <laughs> <laughs> where there is no prejudice. Yeah. That is our yeah. ultimate aim. I, I agree with you, Declan. I think finding the balance between dressing for the mainstream and dressing for the conservative elderly population and really changing the perceptions of the public of what a doctor should look like because at the end of the day it's really our knowledge that counts and not what we look like i think that's a great place to leave it so thank you guys for joining me today to discuss this and uh, yeah, that's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. And if you'd like to hear more from us, subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts. And in two weeks' time, you'll get our next episode straight to your phone. While you wait for the next episode, why not check us out on social media? We're BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag Sharp Scratch. We'd love to hear your ideas for what we should cover later in the season. It's also really helpful to us if you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Pods or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps other med students and new docs find the show. Until next time, it's goodbye from all of us in the studio. Bye! Bye.